Today, I want to talk to you about prayer. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to think about it before jumping right to an answer, because we all are somewhat pre-programmed with the Christian answers. But the question is, how many of you actually believe in the power of prayer? You believe that God hears your prayers, you believe that prayer can be effective. How many of you believe in prayer, but you would honestly say that you probably don't pray as often as you should? Or another question would be, maybe you believe in the power of prayer, and maybe you even try to pray, but you often feel that your prayers aren't that effective. That's probably the more honest question. We're in a message series called A Better Way, and we're looking at the way Jesus lived and not just the truth he taught, although that's super important, but we're also looking and want to look at the way that he lived, how he carried himself, what he did. And if there was any constant in the life of Jesus, no matter what happened, no matter how crazy life was, no matter what the disciples were doing or the Roman government was doing, no matter what the rumors were, if there was any constant in Jesus' life, it was that Jesus constantly sought the Father in prayer. He prioritized the presence of God in prayer, and boy, did it ever work. His life of prayer empowered him to overcome every temptation of the evil one. He was able to be faithful to God, completely obedient. He healed people. He showed love to those who were unloving back to him. And when I look at his life and how he lived, I want to live like that. I want to live how Jesus lived and love how Jesus loved. And so if I want to live like Jesus lived, I should probably also pray like Jesus prayed. And yet so many of us don't. So why is that? Why do we struggle to pray consistently or to pray effectively? Based on my experience as a pastor, I see three reasons that are very common. And you might see one of these reasons or all three in yourself. But the first, one of the reasons is that we lack focus. We want to pray. Like you hear a message on prayer and you're kind of fired up and you're like, yes, I'm going to start praying every morning. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have this time with God. And then instantly your phone starts buzzing, emails come in, and you're distracted. And I understand this. When I sit down to pray, this is the moment that my mind wanders to anything but God. It's crazy. It's like suddenly you're like, okay, is it garbage day today? Do I need to finish this? Where do I need to take the kids today? And your to-do list starts growing. Or sometimes I just get bored. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that as a pastor, but <laughs> the extra spiritual people, you guys can judge me, but... I'm talking to real people today. I get bored sometimes. Sometimes it gets boring. And I mean, as a kid, I used to fall asleep when I was praying. And then I used to feel guilty like, oh man, like God's thinking like you didn't sign off. You didn't say the amen. I'm, I'm left hanging here. But sometimes we just lack focus. Another reason many of us don't pray consistently is that we lack confidence. We just don't really know how to do it. And it's especially intimidating when you're around someone who does. Does anybody have that friend in their life where it's like, man, they know how to pray. I'm not quite there yet. Sometimes I even go to these different prayer groups. When I was at our district conference at the beginning of June, I met with all the international workers for prayer. And sometimes they just have these elaborate prayers and it's so meaningful and powerful. But I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything because it's not going to compare to them. <laughs> but you feel like maybe you're just a junior high kid while they're a spiritual prayer warrior. And 
The one that actually made me laugh the other day, too, as I was preparing this message, is I met up with Santiago, who led worship here a few weeks ago, and was chatting with him and his wife, and and we just decided to pray for each other in the moment, and he started doing this exact thing that I was making fun of, quoting scriptures, like Lamentations 3.20, and I'm like, oh man, is Lamentations, like, where's that in the Bible? And <laughs> But it's just so funny, because sometimes it's like, you start hearing people like calling on the names of God, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Rapha, and it's like Jehovah Nisan Maxima, maximize us for the glory of God. <laughs> but sometimes we just lack the confidence. And then thirdly, some of us, we just lack faith. We lack faith. We're not sure that God will actually do what we're praying for, or we believe that God can do, but it doesn't seem like he's gonna do. Like, I've wrestled with that before. And we wonder, does he hear my prayers and does he care? And sometimes we can make a pretty strong argument that he actually doesn't care, that he doesn't hear our prayers because we tried and we prayed so hard and we believed he was going to answer, but he didn't do what we asked him to do. And you probably have your own version of this story, whether you were a kid praying for your parents' marriage and then they still ended up divorcing, or that you pleaded with God to take away a sin that you just kept struggling with and he still hasn't taken it away. And so you conclude, well, prayer might work for other people, but it doesn't work for me. And that's why the title of today's message is When You've Given Up on Prayer. So let's all go before God together in prayer. So God, we ask that in your presence, through the teaching of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw us into an intimate, ongoing relationship with you. Help us to live the way that Jesus lived and in an ongoing fellowship and dependence on you. God, teach us to pray. Give us a heart to pray. Help us to live in an attitude of prayer so we can live and love the way Jesus lived and loved. We pray this with faith, believing that you're going to hear our prayer. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So to understand what prayer is, I'm going to start with what prayer is not. What prayer is not. A lot of times we have this misperception of what prayer is, and so I want to tell you very clearly what it's not. First of all, prayer is not a formal presentation. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. You don't have to like be in something like a minister's robe or kneel down beside your bed and approach God with fancy language like we beseech thee to help us. Like, it's just not a formal presentation. Prayer is also not giving God your wish list. It's not coming to God like with your kid's Christmas list. Okay, here's everything I want. He's not a lucky rabbit's foot that, or a genie that we rub the right way, say the right thing, and he'll give us what we want. Prayer is also not a spiritual negotiation. This one is probably where I see myself most, is that it's not where you tell God what you won't do anymore if he'll just do what you ask, what you want him to do. Like, God, I'll never cuss again if you just do this for me. God, if you just answer my prayer and heal me, then I'll, I'll never do this. It's not a spiritual negotiation. It's not a performance to win the favor of God. It's not a show to impress people. And prayer is not a lot of things that we think it is. In fact, when we look at the way Jesus lived and just see how he interacted with God, what we discover about the way he lived is this. Prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is a way that you live. 
when we look at the way that Jesus lived, we see prayer isn't just this momentary action where you fold your hands and kneel on your knees and say something and close it out with the amen. It can be that, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than an action that you occasionally do. It's really a way that you live. And we've been talking about this through the whole series, as Jesus walked along. It's this way of life. And in fact, when you look at the way Jesus lived, he prioritized the presence of God in prayer. And you can read again and again that he would leave the crowd and he would go off to pray. He'd go off alone to seek the Father in prayer. He would get up early in the morning to pray. He would go out at night and pray. He would go off alone to the lake or he'd go over to the mountainside to pray. He was always disconnecting from those around to fully connect with God. In fact, when you look at how Jesus prayed in the gospel, it's fascinating to see exactly when and how Jesus prayed. So according to the Gospels, we see a huge list, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but here are some of the times that he prayed. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed in the morning before heading to Galilee. He prayed after healing people. He prayed the night before choosing his disciples. He prayed for children. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed right after being nailed to the cross. He prayed while dying on the cross. He prayed all throughout the day. Prayer wasn't something that he occasionally did. Prayer was part of the way that he lived. And those are just some of the incidents that four guys were inspired to write down. Think about all of the other times during the normal course of his life that Jesus prioritized the presence of God in prayer. It wasn't something that he did. It was simply a way that he lived. Now, I would imagine that a lot of you might say, yeah, but I'd like to pray, but I don't have time to pray. There's way too much going on. I got to be productive. I got to get stuff done. But I'm grateful for the advice that some much wiser people before me have shared. They said, Kev, whenever you think you don't have time to pray, remind yourself it's at that moment that you don't have time not to pray. You really don't. There may be nothing more productive than the time that you spend seeking the heart of God and inviting it in his power, his presence, his strength to be with you, to carry you throughout the day. Because I don't know about you, but man, it's tough out there. Like, it's a brutal world we live in. And it's almost impossible to walk into the world full of joy and peace with all the chaos that's going on. It's hard to be an effective witness when you just see the division everywhere. The tension, the relational stress, the financial pressure, the temptation, all the complicated decisions that you have to make. I don't know about you, but I need God's presence all throughout the day, not just for five minutes in the morning. I need his power. I need his grace to extend to others. I don't just need it for a few minutes in the morning. I need it in the way that I live. And so as a disciple of Jesus, what I know is that I live in the world, but I'm not of the world. So to be completely effective in this world, we need to have times where we disconnect from this world, that we can truly connect with God. There are times when I have to disconnect from everything that does not last in order to connect with the one who does last. I have to disconnect from everything that is temporary to connect with the one who is eternal. 
I have to disconnect from all the temptations to gratify myself in order to connect with the one who brings glory to himself. Prayer isn't just a momentary action. It is that, but it's so much more. So when you look at the way Jesus lived, prayer wasn't just something he did. It was the way he interacted with God in every moment of every day. And in fact, I want to read to you from Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, which I've also included the scripture readings and the handouts there. But it's from the message translation, which isn't a word-for-word translation, but it's a very powerful and meaningful paraphrase. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet and secluded place. Find a place to pray. Do you have a prayer place? Do you have a place that you go to to start your day in prayer? It might be a prayer chair that you sit in. It might be a prayer porch swing. Just find a secluded place. And I know some of you are probably thinking, I've got kids under 10 and under six, under three. (laughs) And how do I get this? And it literally might be for the four minutes that you can sneak off to the bathroom and lock the door before the fingers come in and they're like, mom, mom, mom. And yes, I'm picking on the moms, but... We know it's true, but those four minutes, find a secluded place to pray. And Jesus says, so that you won't be tempted. And I like this, to role play before God. Just be there. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. See, God's not asking for these big elaborate prayers. He's wanting you to come and be in his presence and recognize that he is with you. And here's what's going to happen. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. So what do you do? You find a secluded place. Jesus got alone to pray. So I would encourage you to make it a daily priority to to get alone, block out the noise for however long you can. Eliminate the distractions, maybe put the phone away for a few minutes It's always humbling when Amanda and I go up to my parents' cottage and there's no cell service. And we think, man, when I get back to my phone, it's just going to light up with all these texts and emails. And we turn it on and maybe one comes through, blink. And it's like, oh, man, I guess I'm not as important as I thought I was. Because if I had cell phone service, I'd be checking it all the time. Sometimes we need to disconnect from this world to connect to the Lord of hosts. So why do you need to do that? Well, because intimacy is never accidental. You're not just going to accidentally become close to God. Like people say, I'm not close to God. I don't feel close to God anymore. Well, you don't just fall into it. Like I've just been busy and worried and stressed and dealing with mean people, but I'm so close to God. It doesn't happen. There's no relationship that's going to happen without intimate and focused time. Like there's no way Amanda and I could be close if we never talk to each other and spend time alone. You, you can't be close to a friend if you don't spend time alone. So there's a place that you just need to find and pray and be still. And this is the coolest thing that, that I came across when I was studying this because did you know that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, a voice from heaven spoke and it was God the Father and he publicly declared, this is my son whom I'm, who I love and I want everybody to know how proud I am of him. With him, I'm well pleased. And then heaven opened up and a dove descended. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descended upon Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit was this form 
of a dove. And the reason I keep emphasizing this is because this is what is so cool. I learned that a dove will never land on something unless it's still. So a magician was even sharing this, saying that if he's moving, the dove will not land. And I just thought, how cool is that? The Holy Spirit's depending on, uh, descending upon Jesus and it will never land on something that's still. And it, I think it just shows us the, the stillness of his spirit, this, this focus and confidence in his father. But now you might say, well, what do I pray about? And the answer is really, really easy. Pray about whatever you care about. Whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart, whatever you're excited about, questions you have, whatever you're burdened about, pray about it. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, 6. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Talk to him like a close friend because he is. If you have questions, ask him. If you're mad at him or hurting, tell him. I promise you, he can handle it. Pour out your heart to God and talk to him intimately. It's not just an act. It's a friendship. It's a love relationship. And I've shared this before, but one of my most powerful moments of prayer is when I just let loose on God. I was going through a lot of struggles and pain and hurt, and I was angry. I was so angry. And I had a spiritual director just share with me, like, God can handle it. Allow God to meet you in those areas of your life. And I remember driving down to McMaster where I was finishing some schooling. and I just thought, okay, God, if you can handle this, I'm going to let you have it. And I just went off. But it was the most freeing moment I ever had because what I discovered at the end of it is that God was still there, that God loved me, that he had a plan for me, that he was forgiving me and his grace was upon me. I just discovered that everything is God's grace. So why is it that so many of us still struggle to pray? I'd say in a lot of ways, it's probably because we try to compartmentalize our lives. Like, does anyone remember the TV, uh, the frozen TV dinners? I don't know if they still make them, but luckily I've gotten away from those. But it's kind of like you have your compartmentalized meals. You kind of have something that looks like meat. You're not quite sure what it is. Then usually some mashed potatoes, uh, another veggie, and then some other meat that might look like the dog's already been at it. But, but it's very compartmentalized. And we tend to think that that's how our lives are a bit. That like we have our work life, we have our church life, we have our friend life. Like we keep everything separate. But what I want you to understand is that God doesn't just want to be part of your life. He doesn't just want to fit in one of those squares of the tray. What God wants you to understand, what I want you to understand is that he doesn't just want five minutes of prayer in the morning and then say, good luck, have a good day, see you same time, same place tomorrow, hope everything goes okay. He doesn't want to be part of your life. He is your life. Like God is the tray to keep the analogy going. God wants to be everything. He's part of what matters in your life. And he promises you that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And since he's always with you, prayer isn't an action that you do. It's a way that you live. 
And when you look at the way Jesus lived, he practiced the presence and the priority of prayer. Like it was a non-negotiable, not something tagged on at the end. It was something that was part of the way he lived. He had uninterrupted time and fellowship with his father. He was always praying. And in fact, I'm going to show you a verse. And if you're looking for a memory verse, this is a good short one. It's not quite as short as Jesus wept, but it's the next best. I'm going to read it to you in three different versions. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 in the NLT says, Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Would you actually say that loud with me? Never stop praying. The NIV says, pray continually. And the King James Version says, pray without ceasing. Now, this used to make me feel guilty because I thought, I can't pray five minutes without being distracted. And you want me to just keep praying? To never stop praying? To pray without ceasing? I can hardly pray at all. But then it started to dawn on me as I looked at it that this is the way that Jesus prayed. It wasn't an action. It was, just, it was just his way of life. It was an ongoing awareness that God never leaves you and never forsakes you, that he is with you. And so you can talk to him anywhere and anytime. You don't have to break away, kneel down, fold your hands. You can just talk to him when you drive, when, when you're in the bathroom hiding from your kids, when that person is just getting on your nerves when you're about to lose your temper with your kids, when you're running late to church, when you're about to lose your witness because you are running late to church. And you can just talk to him when you forget something and when you can't find your keys, when you're worried about somebody. Just talk to him like he's a friend because he is. Prayer is getting alone with God. Find your place of prayer. But it's so much more than that. Prayer is about living in God's presence. And I believe that that's what prayer opens us up to. The awareness of God's presence all around. Prayer is experiencing God's grace. Prayer is hearing his whisper throughout the day. It's enjoying his power. It's experiencing his peace. It isn't just getting God to do what we want, but it's about aligning our will to his. It's delighting in the Lord as he changes your heart and gives you the desires of your heart that are aligned with his. So when you pray, when you're, when you're walking with God, when you're in the spirit, when you're aware of his presence, he'll both convict you of sin in a very loving way, but he'll also comfort you in the middle of your trials because he's with you and he's always loving you. So when you're walking in a spirit of prayer, you sense his direction, you notice him guiding you, you hear his promptings to reach out to someone, your heart starts to hurt over what breaks his and you start to rejoice over what brings him joy. It's not an action that you do, it's a way that you live. It's the ongoing presence of God, prioritizing the presence of God in prayer. And I've, I love this message as I've been putting it together so much because I've struggled with prayer. Like, I'm gonna go into some of my failures with prayer because I've often felt like a prayer failure. So if you wanna talk about guilt, I'm a pastor and sometimes I go to Amanda with my problems and I'm like, okay, here's what's going on. Here's where I'm struggling. And she's like, have you prayed about it? Ooh, um, yeah, I guess I should do that because I'm telling everyone else that that's what they should do. And then the most guilty I've probably ever felt, well, at least in a while, is when Amanda and I took a trip to New York City. We took a trip to New York City and we stayed in a place called the Hefzibah House and it was right next to Central Park and it used to be a missionary home and now it's a home kind of for respite and for people in ministry to come at a discounted rate. 
So we stayed there. And as we were checking in, they said, by the way, we have a first thing in the morning prayer meeting that you're welcome to come to. Now it's optional. And we're like, great, optional. We're going to opt out. So the very first morning we wake up and we're, we get ready and it's an old house and we're climbing down the stairs and like, they're like, and like thud, thud. And the prayer meeting was at the bottom of the stairs. So then I'm like, well, this is awkward, but that didn't deter us. We just then tiptoed past the prayer meeting and out through the heavy door. And we did that every single day. We didn't go to one prayer meeting. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling very guilty here. So I have felt like a prayer failure, <laughs> but I've been reminded to pray without ceasing, to never stop praying. Just because we didn't go to those prayer meetings didn't mean that we weren't conversing with God throughout the day, that we weren't walking in this lifestyle of prayer. And those meetings, they're absolutely important. We do need to prioritize prayer. But it's more important to know that when we need God, he is there. I'm more aware that he's always there than I ever have been before. Pastor and author Max Lucado talks about this, and you might find it helpful. He talks about giving God your thoughts. He talks about four different types of thoughts. He says you should give God your waking thoughts, meaning when you wake up, you just say, good morning, God. This is the day you made. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to rejoice in it. I'd love for you to direct my steps today to, to help me see needs to help speak words of life, to be an encouragement, convict me of anything that I may, that might be out of line, but I'm devoting this day to you. So you give God your waking thoughts. Secondly, you give God your waiting thoughts, whatever you're waiting on. Maybe you're praying for the salvation of a loved one. You're praying for a miracle. You're praying for healing and provision, praying for breakthrough. Whatever it is you're waiting on, you just take it before God and you spend time with him. You give him your waking thoughts, your waiting thoughts, and then you give him your whispering thoughts. Because you might not want to shout your prayers in the middle of the office, like, God, help me love Joe more. That might be a little awkward. <laughs> but there are times when you're like, God, help me deal with this dif difficult situation. And you just whisper it to God. Would you give me the wisdom, God? Maybe you're in a meeting actually talking with someone and you just don't even know what you should share and you're just simply whispering to God, God, give me the words to say or even the words not to say if I just need to listen. Would you help me be a voice of encouragement to someone that I love? You whisper your thoughts. So you start with your waking thoughts, you share your waiting thoughts, and then you give him your whispering thoughts. And then at the end of the day, you give him your waning thoughts. At the end of the day, you simply look back and you say, God, here's where I saw you today. Here's where I experienced you. Here's what I'm thankful for and grateful for. And whatever burden you have before you go to bed, you just give it to God and you cast your cares upon him because he cares so much for you. you say, God, I'm giving you this. I trust you to handle it. I'm going to sleep now, but I'll talk to you again in the morning because the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my waking thoughts. Because prayer isn't just something you do, it's a way that you live. So if you feel any prayer guilt, let me just say, be set free. <laughs> be set free. But prioritize the presence of God in prayer and become aware of his presence. He is with us right now. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have. 
in approaching God in prayer, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears our prayer. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The Apostle Paul in prison wrote, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So as you pray, as you enjoy his presence, as you walk in the Spirit, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't stop praying. Walk in the Spirit. Live in his love. Be aware of his goodness. When you're weak, his strength makes you perfect. When you're tempted, his power will help you overcome. When you're discouraged, he's the lifter of your head. He brings joy in the morning. So you bring him your waking thoughts, your waiting thoughts, your whispering thoughts, and then you give him your waning thoughts at the end of each day. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Prayer is not just something that you do. It's a way that you live. And suddenly, as you're walking in the presence of God, you're aware that he's comforting you. He's convicting you. He's strengthening you. He's loving you. He's prompting you. He's guiding you. This is a life that honors God and makes a difference in the world. If you'll just pray with me. So, Heavenly Father, we're just talking to you, just like a friend talks to a friend. Help us draw close to you and just talk with you. Help us this week to find a secluded place in order to make you a priority. But may it not stop there. Help us to continue an ongoing relationship with you, knowing that you're always with us and that you always care. You're with us even now. So as we continue to pray, I just want to give you a moment to just, where you are, just talk to God in your own way. Just tell him what's on your heart. God, we know that you hear our prayer. So as we pray according to your will, your will shall be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that you have heard our hearts, the cries of your children. Help us see you more clearly, experience you more powerfully in all that we do. Not just in a moment of prayer, but in a lifestyle of prayer. So because you're with us, God, help us to reach out, to experience you, to love you, to worship you, and to share your goodness with others. Thank you for loving us, for coming to save us. Change us and become first in our lives. Your Lord, Savior, and friend. Lead us, guide us, and empower us with your Holy Spirit to know you and to walk with you, to serve you and to experience you. Our lives are not our own. We surrender them to you now, and we thank you for new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.